This episode of the Fantasy Football Fracas is brought to you by Fantasy Champs. Fantasy Champs trophies, rings, and belts are second to none. Their team has decades of experience playing in fantasy football and other fantasy sports leagues, and they know exactly what you need to build the best league possible. Fantasy sports commissioners everywhere trust Fantasy Champs for the absolute best league championship awards, and so do we. Are you a Fantasy Champion? Get your gear at Fantasy Champs by going to www.fantasyfootballfracus.com and clicking on the Fantasy Champs logo on the Affiliates Partners page right now. Welcome back to the Fracas, everybody, the home of accessible fantasy advice with a side of sarcasm and wit. Nate and Mark with you again to discuss all of the Week 13 action in the 2018 NFL season. We have been on a two-week hiatus, if you haven't noticed, partially due to the lack of sleep because of a cold that my seven-month-old son had. And for those of you that are fathers and parents out there, you can probably empathize uh, with me, and we also had the Thanksgiving holiday in which we were spending time with our families. But we are back for the rest of the season, and we're here to provide you all of your fantasy needs. Yes, we are on to week 13. We thank you again for tuning in and joining us here on the Fracas. Be sure to go to our website at www.fantasyfootballfracas.com to get all the resources we have, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at FFFracas. You can also uh, follow us on Facebook as well. Mark, it's been uh, two weeks, as we said, or as I just said, uh, since we've been here doing an episode on the fracas. Since we've been gone, what would you say are are some of the most significant uh, fantasy developments uh, during that time? has to be what happened today. If you asked me this 24 hours ago, I'd probably have a different answer for you. But what happened with Kareem Hunt with that TMZ video appearing, which is about as bad as it gets. That is definitely the biggest story. Uh, NFL-wise, particularly with the Chiefs' explosive offense, but especially as we get into the uh, end of the fantasy football season, that is certainly the biggest uh, story by far in my mind. And uh, this is almost like having a Catholic priest say, you know, let's burn the Bible. But I'm like, there are certain things that are more important than fantasy football. Yeah, uh, I just watched it. Uh, just watched it before we started this episode. And uh, yeah, not don't even want to discuss the fantasy implications uh, because it, it feels as if we're we're making light of it. Uh, after seeing that, uh, it just really disturbing to see any human being, regardless if they are a celebrity or a football player, uh, that doesn't. Uh, take anything away from the actions that Kareem Hunt uh, engaged in. Uh, And you have to hope that the league has learned something from the Ray Rice incident from years ago, that Roger Goodell has has learned something, and that they make the right decision here because that is unacceptable. And uh, regardless of the fantasy implications, 
you, you, who cares? Uh, what he did was just morally reprehensible, uh, and he should be held accountable uh, legally, uh, and the league should uh, hold him accountable um, as an employee. Uh, this week, folks, as usual, we play 10 questions. We make our play pine punt predictions, and we try to set you up, as always, uh, for success this week and heading into the playoffs. But, Mark, uh, remind our listeners where they can find us uh, uh, on uh, any of their podcast choices uh, so that they can get all the advice that we have to offer. Absolutely. You have a plethora of choices in which to follow the fracas. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or my personal favorite, SoundCloud. And please leave a review for us, folks. Leaving those reviews really helps the show out. And we'll certainly read your reviews on upcoming episodes of The Fracas. Also, don't forget to follow us, most importantly, on Twitter and Instagram. Our, in- our handle is at FF. Fracas and check out the website for weekly rankings and other fantasy resources. That web address again is www.fantasyfootballfracas.com. And while you're there, head to our affiliate area and click the DraftKings link to create your account and start putting those fantasy skills to use and make some money. Yeah, so lots of uh, choices for you to, to follow us on the podcast, on Twitter, on Facebook, and of course, go to our website. All sorts of places you can catch. The fracas. On today's episode, we discussed Lamar Jackson's emergence as the starter in Baltimore, the instability at the running back position. Uh, we also are going to talk a little bit about uh, fantasy football playoff formats, but we begin today with perhaps the upset of the week uh, as the Dallas Cowboys put an end to the 10-game winning streak of the New Orleans Saints winning 13 to 10 on Thursday night. The Cowboys are now 7 and 5 and the Saints could see themselves fall potentially to the number 2 seed uh, in the NFC. Mark, uh, what meaning if anything can we extract uh from Thursday night's uh loss for the Saints? You know, they they were probably due. I mean, they lost week one. They got blown out at home to the, the Buccaneers. Um, every team has a, a bad week from here and there. So I'm, I'm not reading too much into it as far as the Saints are concerned. I still think they're going to be the number one seed. They're, I think still think they're a great team. They had a bad outing against a very good defense. I think the main thing that we take away from this is that the Cowboys are certainly, I, I can't imagine them not winning the NFC East. And I think we're going to see Dak Prescott uh, as quarterback of the Cowboys for a long, long time. They only scored 13 points, but I think that that might have solidified him getting a big deal this offseason. So I think that those are the two major things I took away. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not worried if I'm a Saints fan. I'm not worried about the Saints having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. I think they still can get that. But, yeah, I definitely view Dallas now. You have to take them for real in the NFC. I think for sure they're going to win the NFC East. Uh, And I don't know that there's going to be a lot of people that want to see them come playoff time uh, with what Dak Prescott is doing. They have Amari Cooper out there. They have a good defense. And, of course, they have Ezekiel Elliott. So, for sure, Dallas is for real. And this was a team that, was uh, what were they three and five at one point? I mean, they were they were not looking like they were going to be doing much of anything, uh, and they have rattled off a number of wins. So they are a legit team 
uh, and to be concerned about. We uh, two years ago we saw what they could do. Obviously they don't have Des Bryant anymore, but they got Amari Cooper, and uh, as you said, Dak Prescott uh, can hold his own, and you got Zeke back there. Yeah, I mean, how did they lose to the Titans at home on Monday Night Football yeah. uh, a few weeks back? Uh, I thought that was kind of the the stake in the heart. Alex Smith injury, the the surprise win over the Eagles. The Eagles win that game. We're we're talking about them right now, but. That was a stunning game. I think the NFC East is surprisingly weak. I don't think Dallas is a Super Bowl contender, no. but uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the future. And I almost feel like Leighton Vander Esch, the rookie, is like Brian Urlacher 2.0 almost. Yeah, so uh, Dallas is for real, and no one wants to see them. And I forgot, um, we are in 10 questions here, so we need to go ahead and open 10 questions. We've already gotten one out of the way, so now we're on to question two. All right, so Nate, uh, Cincinnati wide receiver A.J. Green, a guy you and I have panned in the preseason. We've proven to be, to be wrong, although he got hurt here. Uh, he looks to be back for the Bengals this week as they take on the 5-6 and six Broncos, uh, but they'll do it without the services of the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. Now, Nate, what do you make of the potential connection between A.J. Green and Jeff Driscoll? And Driscoll, by the way, had more fantasy points last week than Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm I'm up in the air. I don't know. Jeff Driscoll, we've talked about names before and what they sound like. Jeff Driscoll sounds like a guy who's uh, trying to sell you a crappy insurance policy uh, and make money off of it. He also sounds like a guy who would uh, be hitting on your wife at a company uh, Christmas party, Jeff Driscoll. Uh, but... You have to play A.J. Green, and you have to figure uh, that there will at least be some connection uh, between the two of them. So I do like uh, A.J. Green. He said they're, I believe they're going up against Denver this week. Um, and, you know, Denver's uh, pass defense and defense overall doesn't scare me like they used to. And Driscoll's a dual-threat uh, quarterback, um, something I don't know as much about just considering his relative youth within the league and not being as t- uh, tuned in to the college scene. Uh, but I, I I like it. I think you have to uh, like A.J. Green. You have to play him. You, he's not on your bench. Um, up in the air, you're going to put him as a wide receiver one and hope that you get the results. Uh, but I imagine guys like John Ross are just not going to have the same oomph that they've had in weeks past. Absolutely. I remember Jeff Driscoll uh, at the University of Florida, and he kind of alternated possessions for a while with another quarterback. Uh, Never really even had the handle at uh, the quarterback position in college. And this was the post-Urban Meyer era when they had uh, Will Muschamp in Florida, like program kind of went into the toilet. Uh, I I could see him as a decent backup. I think they should have kept McCarron, but... um, Driscoll can throw the ball a little bit, so um, and this is I haven't seen him play since college, but I, I remember him specifically in the 2010, 2011, 12 seasons, roughly in that era. So um, you got to play AJ Green. I think uh, I think the big story here is the clearly an upgrade for Joe Mixon. Yeah, I, I think Mixon's going to have a lot of work in the uh, Cincinnati backfield and even in the uh, passing game this week. Ravens coach John Harbaugh said today that quarterback Joe Flacco was, quote, an option this week. 
and that he would not be naming a starter before Sunday, but it's clear to everyone that it is going to, in fact, be Lamar Jackson. Mark, if you had to have Joe Flacco or Lamar Jackson as your starting fantasy quarterback for the rest of the season, who would you choose? I would probably say Jackson. Uh, and the reason for that is he said if Flacco was an option, I think he's uh, throwing a head fake against uh, opposing defensive coordinators, opposing head coaches, just just to kind of throw him a curveball. Like, like I think Jackson's a starter. Clearly, he's he's performing well enough for them to to succeed as far as victories and whatnot. Uh, I don't think they're going to bring Flacco back until they feel he's a hundred percent. If he's a hundred percent, they say he's a starter. So. Uh, plus, I, I almost feel like Lamar Jackson in fantasy with the rushing yards gives you a very a nice high floor, uh, maybe a 15-point floor. So uh, Flacco is, is kind of a streaming option for the most part, and so is Jackson. But, um, like, Jackson gives you a, a very high floor. So I, I don't know if Flacco – if he just simply says that Flacco, a Super Bowl – uh, winner and a guy with a $20 million per year contract. If he says he's an option, it almost makes me feel like he's not ready to play. So I'm going to, as we get later into the season, we're two weeks away from playoff time, like I'm going to have to go with the rookie, the former Heisman Trophy winner. I'm going to have to go with Jackson. Yeah, and if, if he uh, stacks wins, uh, you've got yourself a quarterback controversy there in Baltimore. And as you said, the floor is what makes me want Lamar Jackson. You have to ask yourself, who's more likely to put up a single-digit performance? And for me, it's Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is more likely to put up a single-digit performance than Lamar Jackson. So that's who uh, I'm going to take, Is just as Mark said. All right, Nate. So this week with fantasy, I mean, guy has almost been fantasy MVP this year. Melvin Gordon, unlikely to play. Leonard Fournette suspended for the, the big melee that happened last week. on Johnson nursing his injuries. Gus Edwards and Alex Collins banged up. Kenyon Drake also nursing a nagging injury. And Adrian Peterson's injury still lingering. Fantasy owners have lots of backup options to consider. Who would you consider your backup of choice in Week 12? Nate? Would it be my... I'm president of his fan club, Austin Eckler, or would it be someone else? Uh, yeah, I'm going with Eckler. Um, we've, or you have been singing his praises all year. Just based on how good San Diego has been offensively, what Eckler can do in the running and passing game, uh, I, you have to go with him no matter what the matchup is. We've seen Melvin Gordon basically be matchup proof. So I would definitely go with him considering just how well San Diego has been playing. There's not too many options out there. I mean, maybe for week 12 uh, if you're, or week 13, if you're going for a sneaky play, maybe you go uh, Carlos Hyde, but he's not even going to be the absolute uh, main option. He will probably be on the ground, but I think you have to go with Eckler this week and moving forward. Speaking of running backs, Mark, Patriots running back Rex Burkhead is returning to the roster this week after being out of commission since week four. Burkhead, as I checked today, is owned in 24% of CBS leagues. Last year, he had 264 rushing yards, 254 receiving yards, five rushing touchdowns, 
and three receiving touchdowns. Should that ownership rate be higher, and can Rex Burkhead help fantasy owners win championships this year? I guess the answer to both those questions is no. I was very high on him going into this year. He had some really good games last week. Uh, I'm sorry, last year, particularly in Mexico City against the Raiders, but he was very kind of a skittish performer. Like You didn't know what you could get from week to week. And the Patriots' running back situation is oddly, and very oddly, I'm going to repeat that adverb, uh, set at this point. Like James White is receiving, and Sony Michelle is getting a steady diet of carries. Uh, there's only been two times in the Bill Belichick era that started in 2000 where the Patriots picked a running back in the first round. The first one was Lawrence Maroney, who always got a lot of work. Second is Sony Michelle. When he's in there, he's always getting at least 17, 18 carries a game. So Burkhead, in my opinion, is an afterthought. Clearly, the construct of their offense in the running game is Michelle handing the ball off and James White receiving. Burkhead may have like a Brandon Bolden type uh, role where like we'll see him a little bit more from one game to the next, but I, I don't think he's, he's fantasy relevant at this point. No, I don't think you can play him this week at all. Um, what your roster construction looks like will dictate whether or not you decide to pick him up off the waiver wire, and he was picked up off the waiver wire in one of my leagues uh, just a few hours before we uh, recorded this episode. Here's a question. So here is the guy that I was considering, and I had actually dropped uh, Ito Smith. If you had Ito Smith on your roster, and he's, he's not seeing much time, do you, do you keep Ito Smith or do you drop Ito Smith and pick up Rex Burkhead, Mark? What would, if you were in that situation, what do you do? I guess it comes down to math. That's, a, that's actually a great question. I, I didn't expect this one, but uh, I would say that if you have one guy ahead of you who's functional, like Ito Smith does, Tevin Coleman, uh, versus two guys ahead of you who are functional in Sony Michelle and James White, I'll, I'll go with the ones. So I, I, I think I'd hang on Ito Smith. I'll yes. wait. If you have the choice, unless your running back situation is deteriorated to the, incredibly to the point where you're desperate, uh, then I would go with Ito Smith. I'd, I'd wait and see, like, see if you can get – 12 to 15 touches in a game, somewhere in that range. So I'd wait and see before I play him, but I'd much rather have Ito Smith. I think like his uh, usage ceiling is much higher than Burkhead's. Yeah, I would agree. And it's just that sheer number ahead of him. Uh, there's a New England backfield that's fairly solidified. What role is Burkhead going to play? And obviously you can get into this debate of, well, you know, Belichick's sort of unknown. He changes things up. But you want the sure thing, and the smart money would be on someone like Ito Smith instead of Rex Burkhead. All right, Nate, so this is clearly the most important question to you and I as Bears fans, but uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who is on pace to break basically every Bears passing record, touchdowns, yards, and whatnot, uh, he looks to be out again this week, and Chase Daniel performed admirably on Thanksgiving. Uh, he's going to get a second straight start, it looks like. Uh, Daniel was 27 for 37 for 230 yards and two touchdowns on Thanksgiving. Is Daniel, I think he's about $6,000 on FanDuel, by the way, is he worth consideration in season long or playing in daily? Uh, would you play, it's kind of a multi-tiered question, would you play him over the aforementioned Jeff Driscoll, Cody Kessler, Nick Mullins, Colt McCoy, McCown, 
Darnold. Would you play him over those guys? I would. And although the Giants defensively against uh, quarterbacks are number 12, giving up just shy of 19 points, I would just because of the way that Chicago moves that ball and the way that they want to throw that ball. They were willing to throw with Chase Daniel last week, and conventional wisdom would have told you that they were going to run the ball with Jordan Howard because of Nick or uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky being out and not playing. But as we discussed earlier, I said they did not bring Chase Daniel in here to just be a guy to hand the ball off to Jordan Howard. He knew the offense, and he knew it well, and he played well. Uh, two touchdowns, uh, really uh, was a very serviceable quarterback. So if you're in a situation where you need to stream someone and those are your options, I would. The the one guy that I would probably consider where I think it's a debate would be Driscoll, uh, frankly. Uh, I'd go Driscoll or Chase Daniel. I'd probably still uh, go with Daniel at that point. But given w- the faith that Matt Nagy clear, clearly has in him, I would. I'm not putting him over a bunch of other guys. I'm not putting a, a usual QB1 or even QB2 on the bench for Chase Daniel. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but uh, if you're stuck, you might be able to get 15, 20-odd points out of him. So, sure, uh, if, if I needed to, I, I would stream Chase Daniel. We're upon the final four games of the fantasy football season, Mark. Uh, Question for you, what second or third tier player do you think will win fantasy championships this year? So that is a question that is the most important. We think of like a couple years ago, Tim Hightower was the most owned uh, player of fantasy champions. Uh, after people were able to pick him up in the pre-Alvin Kamara era of the Saints. Uh, but I would say that going this week is a guy you and I, Nate, have plugged since our inaugural show in the preseason. Yep. This is David Njoku. And here's the reason. I mean, he's he, he's had a couple weeks where they've been very unimpressive, like zero or one targets. Last week he caught all five of his targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. We love Njoku here on the Fracas. But here is the rundown of what he's facing in the weeks uh, 13 through 16. We all know week 17 is largely irrelevant in fantasy. 15, 16 of the playoffs. So this week he's facing the Texans, who have the six most fans, who have given up the six most fantasy points to tight ends. Last week of the regular season for most people is week 14. Panthers have given up the most fantasy points to tight ends. First week of the of the playoffs, not as great a matchup, but still the Broncos have given up the 10th most fantasy points to tight ends. And then the kicker here is week 16, the fantasy championship week for 99% of fantasy leagues. The Cincinnati Bengals have given up the second most fantasy points to tight ends. So he's clearly like a borderline tight end one. And, most, and, and so that's the guy... Purely on matchup. I mean, I love him anyway, but I'm like purely on matchups. The way this this really has played out for him, like that's the guy who I'm looking at, who I think people are going to look back at and think he's going to be the guy who won this for me. Yeah, we, I love David and Joku. Uh, been someone we've touted since the preseason show has put up some 
ridiculous fantasy numbers at times, and he is a stud tight end in that Cleveland offense. I would say he is someone moving forward you have to, even if you're if you've got a deep bench and you can even potentially put Njoku into your flex position. Based on our conversation, I'm sure people were going on to the wire uh, to get uh, Spencer Ware. He might be a late ad considering what happened with Kareem Hunt, and we've seen what Spencer Ware uh, can do. He might be someone that you could plug in and instantly get uh, numbers from. But if uh, that, to me, is a different conversation. We're to, uh, I think when what we're looking at here is what are those guys that you've had season long? Because where is a totally different scenario given what happened this week. So when you look at the full spectrum of the season, I would say Njoku is that guy that can make or break your season. Yeah, that was the guy who I was also thinking of doing after after today because he's the one that's most analogous yes. to Tim Hightower. Right. And that he's in a high-powered offense, yep. can catch, can run. Uh, that's who steps in because of whatever situation, whether it's injury or, in this case, what Kareem Hunt did. Right. Uh, yeah, so Ware's probably the one who's most analogous to Hightower. So he's another one. I'd say Njoku, second tier. Yeah. Where third tier, but, but it's so it's like I said, it's just it it's total a different kettle of fish there because where is someone that's going to be added this week and Joku's someone that's been around on rosters the whole year. Yeah, both of them in your roster, you should be very happy. Exactly. So, all right, Nate. So this is a deeper philosophical question. So we as children of the '90s, as early millennials, yes. All remember the heartwarming made-for-TV Saturday night movie trash-picking, field-goal-kicking Philadelphia phenomenon starring Tony, the starring the incomparable Tony Danza. <laughs> uh, basically, the idea of this movie is that uh, the, the Eagles signed a garbage man to be their place kicker, and clearly had success. Because I mean, movie out it's will the Eagles need to do the same with their ridiculous rash of defensive back injuries. Nate, what do you think? Yes. because If you're a, a fantasy football player, you're a, a football fan, and you're not an Eagles fan, I want you to do me a favor. Name me one member of the Philadelphia Eagles secondary. Name one right now. Pause the podcast. Name one. I guarantee you, you can't. Unless you're an Eagles fan, or unless you are a Redskins fan, or a Cowboys fan, or a Giants fan, outside of that, I guarantee you can cannot name someone in that Philadelphia secondary. So yes, they should sign to- Tony Danza. I think it is a toss-up between Tony Danza and Mark Wahlberg because the other, uh, what was the other? Was it uh, Invincible? Was that the Mark Wahlberg? Uh, a movie about uh, the uh, 1980s strike uh, year, the 1980s year where um, the Eagles, when when they brought in, I couldn't even remember. It's that. an actual true story, though. Yes, it, the yes. guy's name was Vince Papali. Yes, and he was a bartender. Bring in Vince Papali now on that Philadelphia secondary. He might be uh, an improvement. So yeah, it has been a train wreck out there. They're getting torched. Uh, in the passing game, and they've not been doing well in their own passing game. 
So, yeah, sign Tony Danza, who, by the way, you want to know another little piece of trivia. Tony Danza, look this up, had a reality TV show in which he became a high school English teacher. And it was, I don't know, on A&E or TLC or one of these one of these uh, ridiculous uh, cable programs here. But he became a high school English teacher, probably in Philadelphia, and had camera crews following him around. So Tony Danza has gone from... Uh, seeing Angela naked in the shower on Who's the Boss <laughs> to being a garbage man turned field goal kicker in a Disney movie to a high school English teacher to now a potential real replacement for someone in the Eagles secondary. So, Mark, who would you rather have, Tony Danza or Mark Wahlberg in that Philadelphia secondary? Oh, but it, 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 there's no question. I mean, like when the... So this is usually like a rhetorical question. Who's the boss? And in, in my, you know, I'll ask that Tony Danza. Tony Danza. I would much rather go with Danza. Yeah, and like the the trash picking, field goal kicking Philadelphia phenomenon <laughs> should be an American classic, akin be. to The Godfather, Saving it Private is. Ryan, etc. Yes. I'm Danza. 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 Forget Mark Wahlberg's three a.m., four a.m. workouts. Cannot compare to the garbage juice that Tony Danza has on those hands as he tries to swat footballs away. Mark, you mentioned uh, fantasy football playoffs. Uh, in terms of those fantasy football playoffs, most leagues will be starting in a few weeks. In our league, we have four teams. So we're in 12-team leagues, 10-team leagues. Four teams end up making it. The first round is in week 15. Championship week is week 16. And then we hold what are called grudge matches in week 17, which you go ahead and pick someone that you maybe lost to or you talked smack to during the year, and you hold a grudge match, maybe, a grudge match, maybe some side bets there. But I've heard of some other leagues, it's not uncommon, uh, that have each round of the playoffs last two weeks apiece. Two weeks apiece. So instead of a one-and-done in each round, it lasts for two weeks. Do you prefer the one-and-done the way that we do it, or would you rather see a change in which these four teams battle it out for two weeks at a time? That's a that's an excellent question. Uh, I would say that there's really only one answer. I'm like, the, the 15, week 15, week, week 16 format, like what's the other alternative? If you have a 10-team league and you, you pull it back another – week you have eight teams out of 10 or eight teams out of 12 even in a bigger league like making the playoffs you've the 16 league team like eight half the teams i'm like this is like i understand when we're six and seven years old we ever, everyone gets a trophy but this is like where you shouldn't have a if you have a great week and if your team goes three and nine you have a great week in like week 15 like you should not advance deep into the playoffs like so Clearly, in my, I mean, this is not even up for discussion. In my opinion, like it has to be where you taper, just like the NFL playoffs. I mean, right. that, that's what we're basing this Correct. off of. Like, it has to be a small portion of the league makes the playoffs. Correct. Like that. I'm like, I don't see what. Like, if you're finishing in eighth place out of ten, you should not be in the playoffs. No. no. So here, because there's that, and then here's the other one: is that the four teams make it. And the championship game is between two teams, but they go for two weeks. They go week 16 and 17. So essentially, two teams play against each other in week 16 and 17. And then in weeks, 
what is it, 14 and 15, there's a two-week playoff between those four teams. I don't like that format. I don't. I like the one and done. It's that week, and it's it. Now that that to me is the way that you have to do it. So I like it starting week 14 or week 15 championship week 16, and I love the grudge matches because you can call guys out, do all sorts of fun games. And what we do too, in one of our leagues, is we divide up. And what we do is, uh, in, so in one league we do a grudge match, and the other league what we do is we divide the entire league up between friends and family because there's a mix of uh, friends and family that play in one of the leagues. And the what we do is we add up all the points that are scored, regardless if they're bench or starters, and whichever side scores the most or whichever side scores the least points has to buy the pizza for the draft the next year because we do an in-person draft there. And I think that's a good way to do it. It, it makes it puts them in incentive. It makes that game interesting. You don't want to have to spend that money uh, the next year on pizza, so uh, it's fun. And then also if you're doing those grudge match weeks, I just getting able to call someone out. I've done it with a couple of my uncles where we challenge each other. We bet uh, you know a case of beer, a 12-pack, or something like that. Um, so it, so it makes it interesting. So that that's the way I prefer it. Yes, your uncles are the best, by the way. Uh, your uncle Dave, yeah, and who I love, and most importantly, um, the guy who I'm really a uh, big fan of, your uncle Rob. And yeah. I don't know if he listens. Does he listen at all? I believe he does. He's a follower. He is a follower of the podcast, and he's a follower on Twitter as well. Well, I remember the time that I. My team was very successful, but I had the Lamar Jackson type of so Terrell Pryor when he was the uh the I get it like fifteen to twenty points from him. Uh he was the quarterback of the Raiders. I remember I ran your uncle Rob outside of a diner in Nashua. That's right. And I said to him and he's like, Your team's doing great. I'm like, Well, I wish I I'm like the thing with me, I'm like, I'm worried about my quarterback position. He said, he's like, well, was like, he's like, how about this? He's like, how about you actually draft one? <laughs> I, was, I was like, that's, and I remember saying, that's food for thought. So, yeah, Nate's Uncle Rob is one of my favorite people, and he is the man. So, yeah. uh, if he's listening, Rob, you're the man. So, Nate, most importantly in here, though, and people are probably asking, Freakuses are asking, like, where the hell are the Buffalo Bills? That's here? right. Where are the Bills? Well, here we go. Question 10. Where I have a Bills question for you, but with a changeup. What are the odds someone slammed Jalen Ramsey in his enormous trap through a table in the Jags locker room last week after their embarrassing loss to the Bills, which is also their seventh straight loss? Yes, pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. This is a team that was in the AFC Championship last year and had, had the potential to win it. So Jalen Ramsey should have gotten sent through a table and but what I'd like to see and not wishing any ill will against Jalen Ramsey but what I'd like to see is if a Bills fan could actually go WWE style and instead of sending Jalen Ramsey get yourself one of those dummies and dress it up like Jalen Ramsey and give that Jalen Ramsey uh, dummy a cold a stone cold stunner through a table that's been lit on fire. How do you lose? How do you lose to the Bills if you were the Jaguars, AFC Championship? Jalen Ramsey also had to eat crow. Do you remember what he said about Josh Allen? Called him trash. trash. 
yeah. called him trash. And then when he was asked about it, said, well, you know, it doesn't matter what I say. It, it matters what happens on the field. B.S. Eat crow. Eat crow. You, you call them out and he beat you. That's what matters. You're right, Jalen Ramsey. It does, you're right. It matters what happened on the field. And you ran your mouth and it didn't matter. You got beat by the quarterback that you called trash. Pathetic. So that will bring us to the end of 10 questions. We close it out. We move on to our weekly segment of Play Pine Punt, in which Mark and I give you our season-long and daily recommendations. Play Pine Punt is brought to you by DraftKings, with no season-long commitment and the ability to make multiple lineups in a variety of leagues. DraftKings is your source for daily fantasy excitement. Head to our website at www.fantasyfootballfracus.com and click on the DraftKings logo under the Affiliates Partners page to sign up and get in on the daily fantasy sports action today. Mark, for those returning listeners who may forget, or those new listeners, we hope we have new listeners out there, uh, how about you let them know how Play Pine Punt works here on the Fracas? Well, Nate, everyone knows the familiar stardom situm on different uh, fantasy football sites like CBS, ESPN, NFL.com, whatnot. We kind of blend it together. Those sites are only for season-long. So Play Pine Punt is an amalgamation of season-long and daily. So play means this person is a play, a green light on in every single format, whether it's daily or season-long. Pine means it's someone you're gonna certainly going to play. It's an elite player you're going to play in. It's kind of a yellow light. You're going to play in season-long, but in daily – not a great play because the high salary cap as well as the matchup and punt is a the proverbial red light you don't want to play them in season long or daily so that's how play pine punt works here on the fantasy football fracas uh, we love the fact that you can play season long and daily fantasy uh, and we enjoy our partnership with DraftKings. We always start off with our play options. Here are the guys that we think you should be putting into your rosters in all formats. These are the guys we think are like heat-seeking missiles. We start at the top with quarterbacks. Mark, who are you playing in all formats at the QB position? I'm going to go with the guy who's burned me in the past. I'm going to go with Crab Legs, and which is Jameis Winston. For those of you who are or non-fantasy football or non-college football fans don't know, uh, Jameis Winston, the Heisman Trophy winner from Florida State, was arrested for stealing Crab Legs. So we refer to him colloquially as Crab Legs here at Fracas, and he's my choice here. Uh, you know, he, he's as I mentioned, Nate. He, he's burned me in the past. But I'm going to go back to the well here against a Panthers team. Big in-division matchup here that has simply just, not to be overly simplistic, they can't defend the pass. No, Uh, They've given up the second most passing touchdowns to quarterbacks this year, the sixth most fantasy points, the fourth most since week two. 
to quarterbacks. And uh, Winston's strength really is uh, it's always, even dating back to his time at Florida State, it's been a deep ball. Panthers are bottom three defending passes over 15 yards. So, um, again, he's liable to implode on a week-to-week basis, but uh, I'm going to roll with him here on volume and matchup. Only 7,500 on FanDuel and a measly 6,000 on DraftKings. Great value here, in my opinion. Yeah, and I actually had the same choice here at play with Jameis Winston. I was debating between uh, him and Lamar Jackson. And that's a decision I had to make in one of my fantasy leagues as well. Uh, And I'm rolling with Jameis Winston. And I view it sort of as a cautious pick, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Choosing Winston over Jackson, both Atlanta and Carolina. Mark talked about uh, Carolina Uh, Both have been fairly dreadful versus fantasy quarterbacks. Uh, Panthers uh, are 27th. Falcons are 31st. The reason why I'm going with Winston, and I'm going to talk about the comparison with Lamar Jackson, is Carolina's past performance against Tampa Bay earlier this year. Fitzmagic put up some big numbers uh, against them. Uh, Jameis Winston's recent history, he played very well last week. And the reason why I did not put Lamar Jackson here is because he is going to be on the road for the first time this season in Atlanta. Uh, He's still a rookie, and he's going to be on the road. So, yeah, to me, it's a conservative pick uh, for for those options. Uh, Sure, Jackson's got some dual-threat capabilities, but so does Winston. And at this point, I think Winston's a better passer. As Mark said, we know that there could be an absolute meltdown with Jameis Winston and Fitzpatrick could end up in the game. But for that price uh, and what Winston has done last week, I will absolutely go for it. So I love him uh, at this spot. Well, I like some of the streaming options we uh, we mentioned earlier. There's no way I'm putting any of those streaming options uh, ahead of Jameis Winston. And remember that price tag, FanDuel 7500 and in DraftKings, he is 6,000. We move on to our running back uh, spot here for play. Mark, who's the guy on the ground that you think is going to be extremely valuable this week? You know, I, I was very tempted to go with Aaron Jones, but I'm going to go uh, one rung down the ladder with Philip Lindsay versus the Bengals. Now, Lindsay has averaged nearly 17 touches a game over the past over the past five games, a span where he has also chalked up five total touchdowns in nearly a six yards per carry. It's a ridiculous stat, um, and this this is also a span. That includes the Steelers, Chargers, and Texans as opponents, which are three teams that are really tough sledding for opposing backs. Now, this week he faces, you know, well, I I think we can dust off, Nate, the old 90s moniker, the Bungles. Yes, the Bungles. So, yeah, (laughs) so so Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals have given up near almost 800 yards rushing in the past four games and uh frankly like and they've given up the most fantasy points all season 2008 to opposing running backs so a guy with Lindsay with the volume the really poor opponent 
far as uh, defending running backs or rushing. And you know, Lindsey is a guy who is almost akin to Aaron Jones a few weeks ago, who we talked about before, who in DFS, the site just have not simply caught up to his value. So uh, 7000 on FanDuel, 5400 on DraftKings. Philip Lindsay's a great value here. Uh, I'd love him this week. If you listen to these prices again, you said FanDuel that he's going to cost $7,000, and that's cheaper than the guy I'm rolling with who Mark already mentioned, uh, Aaron Jones. 7600 on FanDuel, $6,700 on DraftKings. If you want to go with guys who are what we believe are locks, absolute locks. And I'm going to play this sound effect again. I think Mark and I are extremely confident that these two guys are going to give you big numbers in season-long and daily fantasy this week. And Philip Lindsay and Aaron Jones. Jones going up against Arizona. I hope to God I don't end up uh, biting, or this doesn't bite me in the ass uh, because of the fact that I feel so confident about it. The Cardinals are the worst in the league against fantasy running backs. 177 scrimmage yards, scrimmage yards uh, to running backs this year. Jones has been about the only thing, only thing in that Green Bay offense that's stable uh, this past month. He's rattled off. 20 carries, 16, 18, and 16 in each of the past four games. In FanDuel, if you look at what his average is in terms of points, it's about 19 and a quarter to 20 points per game uh, during that same span. They're also catching Arizona in Green Bay. And based on this matchup in Green Bay, I would not be shocked to see Aaron Jones. I believe he's going to go ahead and run that ball into the end zone. That would be his sixth touchdown in six weeks. And I believe Aaron Jones has not happened this year. He eclipses 20 touches. That's that's the high watermark for him this year. I think he goes over 20 touches this week. He gets at least 21 against Arizona. That's a Sunday 1 o'clock game. He finally gets those 21 touches this week. Yeah, Nate, this, in our original show, we did something called, um, I, don't, I don't know if we had an official title, but we talked about people who were drafted too low. Yes. I, one of the guys I covered was Aaron Jones. Yeah. I said he was, he was his ADP was running back 42. Yeah. Clearly was because of the two-game suspension. I said eat the suspension. Uh just way too talented a back. Uh, I think he averaged over five. He averaged five point five yards per carry last year uh, before his injury, and it was at some point you know he's going to explode there this year, uh, and he's been absolutely phenomenal. He's clearly a top five back week to week. I mean he's just just too talented, and but going into this week, I mean this is like there are very few times that you have a, a time in fantasy football where you have a literally just an uh, incredibly obvious play that someone's going to explode. He is uh analogous to baseball. This is the this is the proverbial 3-0 pitch against a Cardinals defense that's got to be one of the worst 
you know, we've been watching football for a quarter century, yes. Nate, together. For This has got to be one of the worst run defenses we've seen. Jones is just, I mean, every week he averages five and a half, six yards per carry. And then he has this incredible matchup. I mean, I'm like, this is this is about as free of production you're going to get in fantasy football. Yeah, I'm hoping because I've got Jones uh, in uh, multiple leagues. Uh, and in one of those leagues, I had Mark Ingram last uh, last night. And he only got me in the way that our league works, 5.1 points in that low-scoring affair. So I am banking on Aaron Jones making up the difference uh, and getting those points that uh, I was hoping Ingram would get. I wasn't saying Ingram was going to get uh, huge numbers, but I figured that what – or uh, Ingram was going to get huge numbers, but I figure Aaron Jones should be more than capable of making up that difference. We move into the air, our wide receiver plays this week. Mark, do you have someone that is – about as close to a lock as Aaron Jones is at your wide receiver spot? Definitely a bo- little more boomer bust here. I, I don't think anything's as sure as Aaron Jones no. is this week. It's good. Uh, He's got to be a lock of the week. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like of the year. I'm like, I'm like mm-hmm. I don't really think I have felt this way. There's been a better matchup, yeah. I mean, other than Jan- like Aaron Jones versus the Cardinals, James White like a month, month and a half ago yeah. against the – uh, we said the same thing about it about James White against yep. the Chiefs. Uh, yep. th- th- there's very few times where I'm yep. willing to bet my life for a nickel. That yep. And Aaron Jones this week is Got like it. that. So I don't have anything in that category. But there's a game. This is a matchup that I actually circled on a calendar about three weeks ago. Now, Freakers know I'm a big Big Ten fan with a big Michigan fan, and Maryland is in the Big Ten. And I was always impressed with D.J. Moore, the wide receiver for the Panthers, first-round pick last year when he was at the University of Maryland. He was productive regardless of uh, whom he played. Now, he is someone I really like this week against Tampa Bay. Well, yeah. We've talked before about how bad their defense is. Pecked on him. Pecked on him. Exactly. Exactly. And, and Moore... Uh, Again, I circled a few weeks ago. Very bullish about him on the eve of this game. Now, uh, we know how bad the puck, the back, the I'm sorry, the Bucks' pass defense is. But this is just as much, if not more, about DJ Moore. Fifteen catches on seventeen targets over the past two weeks. Two hundred forty-eight yards and a touchdown. He'll be targeted early. He'll be targeted often, and he will certainly is a potential fantasy football bonanza for those who are willing to roster him as a flex or wide, or wide receiver two this week, or particularly on daily. Uh, Steele, a ridiculously low price considering the volume he's been receiving. 6,400 6, FanDuel, 56 DraftKings. I, I, I'm rostering him heavily. Yeah, uh, because every time I've picked a... Carolina wide receiver. It's been Devin Funches, and and more here is a lot cheaper. Uh, I haven't looked at what Funches is going to cost you, uh, but uh, or, or if you actually look at what the, I'll take that back. If you look at what the prices were week to week, Funches versus Moore, uh, you have to believe that Moore presents more value uh, to you based on what that average price is. I'm going someone with someone that, again, it's not like an Aaron Jones. 
but I'm going with Kenny Galladay versus the Rams. Uh, 7,300 on FanDuel. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and look back at this. It may be a typo in my notes. 7,600 on DraftKings. I'm going to go back. I'm wondering if I put it as 60, uh, if it should have been 6,700. And it's 70. I have it as 76 in my notes. I'm thinking maybe. Uh, rarely are uh, numbers higher on DraftKings than on FanDuel. Uh, and I'm going to suggest that it's probably 6,700 uh, for Kenny Galladay. Uh, usually it's the upper tiers that are going to cost you more. So Mark's going to look that up right now as I go through this. The over-under on the game between the Lions and the Rams is 55 points. It's at Detroit, so I'm going to go ahead and take the over. The Rams, they're 30th versus fantasy wide receivers this year. Uh, They're giving up just shy of about 27 points per game. Galladay, you have to figure, just based on what's going on in Detroit, uh, in that wide receiver core, he's got to be the number one target, and he has to be a target monster. Over the past three weeks, 13 against Chicago, 15 against Carolina, and he had eight against Chicago on Thanksgiving. Tate's out of town. Marvin Jones Jr. is on injured reserve. So Galladay sits alone in that three-headed monster. We talked about this three-headed monster in the preseason game. And Galladay now, the cheese stands alone. It is him and him only uh, there. I also wouldn't be afraid because you're going to put multiple lineups in your uh, daily fantasy and DraftKings and FanDuel. I wouldn't be afraid to take a fly on Matthew Stafford this week. Uh, Detroit's not afraid to go ahead and chuck the ball. He's only going to cost you about 6700 in FanDuel. Uh, and... I realize in in in, de- in uh, season long you may not want to, but uh, because of the performances and what those numbers are. But put this into perspective: uh, his matchups during this past month or since October, he's gone through what I would consider a gauntlet of defenses. He's played against Seattle. He's played against Minnesota. Chicago twice and Carolina. And yes, what we just mentioned, what Mark mentioned is, you know, Carolina has uh, uh, not been the best uh, path, pass defense, and or we're going to continue to talk about that. Uh, but I wouldn't be afraid to go ahead and play Matthew Stafford. I'm not playing him in, in season long, uh, but he's going to uh, uh, offer you a fairly cheap price. And if you can put him up against Galladay or with Galladay in a game that's supposed to put up 55 points, and uh, Detroit's certainly not afraid to throw that ball. Uh, I don't mind the two of them together if you're pu- putting multiple lineups in there. So, Mark, did you happen to look? Was I was I right that uh, the DraftKings price is sixty seven hundred, or was it seventy six? You were absolutely right. It was sixty seven on DraftKings, seventy three yeah. on FanDuel, and God, I mean, especially I mean, Tate's out of town. That's almost thirty percent of target share. And Marvin Jones is hurt. You know, Galladay has 36 targets over the last three games. Yep. And the Rams are giving up the fourth most fancy points to wide receivers. So Galladay, I mean, he's, he's a scarcity value in that you, who else are you going to throw it to? Right. He's extremely talented. And, 
I mean, he, he's still even last week against the Bears, five five uh, catches for ninety yards. He's a very talented Bears secondary. He offers a high floor, a high ceiling. Very, there aren't too many players that offer you that. So I love. I mean, I love Galladay every week. Uh, they call him Baby Tron for a reason, but I really I do like him this week. I think the and the same thing with Snapper. I agree with you, Nate, because they are going to be playing from behind. Yep. Against a Rams defense, it's not a great pass defense. No, so, um, it's going to be a good week for Stafford fantasy wise. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. and like, in as far as like affecting as a winner of winning, it doesn't matter. But he really even look at Colt McCoy last week: two touchdowns, three interceptions, decent fantasy output. Not going to win a football game, but it doesn't matter. It's about stats. So, no. Stafford's a guy, uh, and in Galladay, like that's a good combination, a cheap combination. It's going to be cheap. They're going to be could be playing from behind, want a volume, nice combo, regardless of which player you choose. Exactly. So those are uh, the uh, plays. Uh, did we? We did. I every week. It's probably because we're drinking the six oh threes and all this. We did your uh, wide receiver or no? Uh, we did. I chose DJ Moore. That's right. That's right. So right there. So those are our uh, play options this week. Uh, for quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. We move on to our pine choices. And we're saying go ahead and have these guys in your lineups in season long, but we're weary of them in daily fantasy. A lot of the times, this is where you hear Mark and I really talking about what those values are going to be. We go to the top again. At quarterback, Mark, who are you not so high on in daily fantasy? I think we have the same guy again. Yes, you guys have. We've watched this since we were in high school. Yep. Uh, but I think we can agree this guy is the, the best quarterback of all time. Yes, in, in all fairness. Yeah. Uh, no. No arguments here. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So we're gonna go with Tom Brady. We yes. both have Tom Brady both. against the, yep. the Vikings. So I'll go first, Nate, and I'll let you follow up behind me here. So sure thing. Brady. The 41-year-old Brady, he eked out 19 points against the hapless Jets last week. Uh, you know, and then he's playing, albeit at home, albeit at Gillette, he's playing at home against the Vikings. Uh, now, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Mitchell Trubisky are all ten, top 10 quarterbacks this season, Nate. And there have been four games where the Vikings have played these three quarterbacks. And they've averaged fewer than 15 fantasy points this year. So it's 7,900. And 5,800 DraftKings is a little more palatable. But in this price range, I, I don't like Brady. I, especially, I feel he's a little shakier than he's been in the past. Uh, I'd much rather go in this price range with the Red Hut Russell Wilson at home against the Niners. Team has given up 23 touchdowns and a staggering two interceptions all season. So... I'm going to pass on the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT. If they use the acronym, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Russell Wilson, the guy he's beaten the Super Bowl for. Yeah, uh, that, this is the exact guy uh, that I had uh, at, at this spot. And I'll be honest, when I looked at the price, uh, when I saw Brady going under, he's at 7,900. It, it, was, it was a bit surprising to me, but... When you look at the analytics here, it, it makes sense based on what his performance is. It's not a knock 
on him or his career or him as a football player. This is about fantasy numbers. That's what this is about. Uh, Minnesota is a very good defense. Uh, Yes, they've not been quite the same as they were last year, but they shut down Aaron Rodgers last week. And according to Evan Silva, they have held six straight quarterbacks to a QB 16 performance or worse. Uh, They can do it all defensively. Vegas has this game at 49.5. Brady, just in terms of fantasy, that's why I want to make sure you hear that word, in terms of fantasy, he's not a premier fantasy player that you're going to invest top dollar in or even that $7,900 this week. I think uh, you can spend that $7,900 elsewhere. I think he'll have a fine day. He will have a a great pure football day. Uh, He will do what he needs to do. I think I'm going to talk a little bit later about uh, what his potential use for James White will be, but let me remind the New England fans what Pine means. We like him in season long. Play him in season long. You drafted him there. I don't. If you had drafted Tom Brady, he's probably going to be your number one quarterback. I don't know who you're going to have at your number two who's going to have a better matchup. But this is just a pure, this is really a commentary on daily fantasy at this spot. 7,900 against Minnesota. They are an elite defense. Uh, really a spectacular uh, defense. So um, don't spend the $7,900 there for Tom Brady. Uh, You'll hear me talk a little bit more about the Patriots when we move down to the running back spot here. Mark, who are you uh, not so high on in daily fantasy at RB? Well, Nate, we're both enormous Seinfeld fans. We talk about this on a multitude of prior uh, shows here. Every time I uh, plug James Conner, he stinks. Every time I am negative on him, he shines. So I, yeah. But here, I so almost go with the opposite. George Costanza, what I'm saying here. That's but right. I'll say, I'm like, uh, I guess that's my point. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm negative on him this week, so he'll yes. probably explode. But uh, hello, my name is George. I'm bald. I'm unemployed, and I'm with my parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if James, if Le'Veon Bell comes back, James Conner can get a job yeah. with the Yankees as assistant traveling secretary. <laughs> but but Connor against the Chargers, yeah. I don't like. And there's no. a multitude of reasons. Only 35 carries in the last three weeks. His recent performance is, it's been very disappointing. It has been absolutely that, and that that's almost my the- You're yeah. right, Nate. Yeah. That's my thesis yeah. here. Uh, so 35 carries the last three weeks. He was getting a steady diet of carries and touches before that, but the last three weeks he's really tapered off. And the Chargers, it's really not the team to get back on track against. No. It's like second best team against the run. Um, and it's strange that he's already, he's largely been cut out of the offense in the red zone. I saw a stat this week. He's only had one touch inside the ten in the last few weeks. He used to average. You know, two between two and three per game, uh, and the Chargers also have only given up one. Uh, I'm sorry, two receiving touchdowns to opposing backs this season. So there's not a whole lot of respite there. In the price here, seventy nine hundred, seventy eight hundred. Again, 
Go back to Nate's guy, Aaron Jones, for 76 and 67. He's like in a great matchup. I'm like, why would you play James Conner where you can save money with Aaron Jones against that that great matchup? Yeah, it, it it's the price and what the recent performance is uh, for me with James Conner. It, it's just been disappointing the past few weeks, and you're still going to have to pay much more. And like, like Mark just said and what I said earlier, Aaron Jones, we're going to plug him the entire time. Uh, you're listening here. 7,600 on FanDuel, 6,700 on DraftKings. Uh, James Conner's performance recently, you have to question what the heck um, is going on there. Uh, on my running back spot, I have bounced back and forth, back and forth between the two guys that I put in my pine and my punt. And what I, I'm moving over uh, as, uh, as we look at this, I'm putting Tevin Coleman in this spot against Baltimore. He's 6,200 on FanDuel, 4,500 on DraftKings. I'm going to get into the argument of why I moved the guy I originally had here over to the punt category. And I have, I ate crow the last time I put Tevin Coleman uh, in these categories. Uh, But uh, yes, uh, the reason why I'm putting him here is because of that Atlanta's, uh, because of his role in the Atlanta offense. Um, it, it is still a high power offense. Um, there are, of course, going to be situations in which you may have a potential, you know, better play. I don't know too many teams that are going to bench uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, my concern this week with him is his matchup against Baltimore. They have only given up 80 yards from scrimmage to running backs once this year. One time. 80 yards from scrimmage. They're number two against fantasy running backs, averaging about 12 points per game. Coleman has been on a bit of a cold streak as of late. Listen to these attempts. So not even we're not even talking if he had got full attempts, but just the role within the offense. Past three weeks, 11 attempts, 8 attempts, 8 attempts. He's been targeted during those same three weeks, 5 times, 3 times, and 4 times. Those are not good fantasy numbers at all. In FanDuel, during that same three-game stretch, his best performance was against Dallas. His total point total 10 10 points over those last three weeks that's the high watermark right there and in that game he was eight for 58 on the ground three for three through the air for 27 yards his sole touchdown during this same three-week span was against new orleans last week these past three weeks have not really been that great Uh, for Tevin Coleman, so I'm not huge on him. But I don't see how you could potentially bench him. I don't want to say he is not someone that cannot be productive. And the reason why I'm putting him here, I'm going to get to it because there's another running back that I'm going to talk about, obviously. And I've been going back and forth between the two of them. Uh, Tevin Coleman, I'll probably put as a flex. Uh, 
I'm not high on him. He's got that difficult matchup, but he still could, uh, you know, he could go ahead and take a, a long pass uh, to the house. I don't see him doing a lot on the ground. If he does anything, it will be through the air. It'll be through the passing game, and that's what I think is going to be what Atlanta uses uh, to go ahead and make this a competitive game with Baltimore. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with that. Like, Tevin Coleman is one of those players who, yeah, we both panned him a few weeks ago when yeah. he had a huge explosion, against, and it was against the Redskins. Yes, it was. Uh, but when it comes to Jared, I still think Ito Smith, like we talked before, is omnipresent yep. and uh, hurts Coleman's numbers. Yep. If only Coleman with his receiving skills to actually face his own team, the Falcons, who yeah, can't correct. defend passing catch, catching backs. But yeah, Coleman is it God, he is really inconsistent from week to correct. week. Uh if, again, if he only could face his own team. Um I really like him as a back. I liked yep. him at the University of Indiana. Yep. He was explosive. Uh he was actually he he ripped up the Big Ten and then the next year his uh backup Jordan Howard did the same thing. But, uh, yeah, from week to week, I, I figured he'd Awful. be very, very steady after Freeman. Freeman went down. I thought he would be a premier uh, fantasy running back, and it's not been the case. Should have been. I, I'm like, with his receiving chops yep. and uh, with the opportunity, I, I thought he was going to be as consistent yep. as the tides, but he has been as volatile as anything yep. we – anything we've seen, which is unfortunate because he's a very talented player. Yes, and the only reason why I'm putting him in this spot is because of his receiving capabilities. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't even uh, consider him there. Uh, we're going to our wide receiver spot uh, here. Speaking of through the air, we just talked about Tevin Coleman's capability. Uh, Mark, who are you going with in the air this week? In season long, but saying, no, I'm not spending the money on you in daily. It's one of those positions, Nate, we, we talked about before, that if you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah. It's not a big no. penalty. But um, it's a guy I've picked a few times here. Um, I've had, and he's really been a disappointment in time. He's proved me right here. But then there's been other times where he has exploded and proved me wrong. But one, it's one of those points that... You really like you're comfortable on this season long format, but daily, even if he goes for 30, 35 points, like you, you think your thesis is is sound. And I'm going to go back to the well here with with Stefan Diggs yeah. against New England. Now, yeah. the Patriots, they, they, they always shadow top wide receivers, particularly on the perimeter, with Stefan Gilmore. Now, despite, despite his troubles that he had early last year, when the Patriots picking up from Buffalo, he is an elite outside corner. We saw him in the Super Bowl. Elshon Jeffrey was extremely uh, successful at a long touchdown. They moved Gilmore over there. No, Gilmore is an elite corner. Let's let's not mince words here. He's an elite corner. Uh, so, w- with that in mind, this this is an Adam Thielen game. The Patriots yeah. are not good against the slot. We've talked about that before. So I think Diggs, he'll get his yards, he'll get his targets, he'll get his catches. I, I don't think he's going to like get you a bottom 50 performance here. But 
at the price point, seventy-seven and seventy-six hundred on on the sites is just too expensive. I I would much I'm always for the matchup in this in this level. I'd much rather go with Robert Woods from the Rams, who is four hundred and seven hundred less respectively Nate, on, on each of these sites, and he's going to be playing Detroit now. Brandon Cooks, uh, the former Patriot, coincidentally is going to be locked up with Darius Slay, who is an elite corner. Robert Woods is going to have Mike Ford. Now, that's enough said. I'd much rather spend less money than Stephon Diggs against who's going to see Stephon Gilmore go down the ladder. I wouldn't want to say a full step, maybe half a step, to Robert Woods, who is significantly cheaper. I'd much rather face a receiver who's going to face Mike Ford. Like, who... Who is who? The hell is that? Exactly against Stephon Gilmore. So uh, I'm not interested in Diggs this week, uh, just be, because of those parameters. Yeah, I, I think Diggs' ownership rate is going to be high uh, because of that price and because of that matchup. So I agree with you. He he is a. You talk about uh, at times in the NFL and even in the NBA, but in the NFL trap games. Uh, and when you if you put this in the context of daily fantasy, this is the one where you would think for that price, he's a mid-level price, where you can get a big performance. Uh, I agree. This is a Thielen game and not a Diggs game. There's no way uh, Diggs takes the top off this defense and gets the type of performance uh, that you want, which is to get your $9,000 uh, performance at that price tag. Uh, I'm going with a guy... This is a bit ris- a bit of a risky move uh, for season-long because, again, we're saying season-long play him. Uh, daily fantasy, don't. And I'm going with T.Y. Hilton. He's 7,600 in FanDuel, 6,000 in DraftKings. He's, he's a guy uh, I've mentioned before. I own him in season-long. I've played him recently. I'll continue to play him uh, based on what Andrew Luck has been doing. Uh, the past few weeks, he's been solid. He's got 9 for 9 for 155 and two touchdowns against Tennessee, 7 for 10 and 125 against Miami. Uh, however, going up against Jacksonville, his most recent performance against them was not the best. Uh, he was 3 for 7 for 77 yards. And let me read you his last five performances against Jacksonville. As I just said, 3 for 77, no touchdowns. 3 for 51 in the touchdown, 2 for 27 and no touchdowns, 6 for 95 and no touchdowns, 7 for 42 and one touchdown. He could be going up against Jalen Ramsey, and we talked about him earlier. However, uh, Ramsey's a little dinged up, and Hilton has been running um, 30, about 33% uh, plus or minus uh, 33% of his routes have been coming in that slot position, so that gives him the potential to stay away uh, from Jalen Ramsey, and it gives him his uh, some good value, and uh, even in season, uh, in daily fantasy, if not uh, season long. But uh, I'm of the belief uh, that uh, he could get you $7,600 worth. I don't doubt he'll get you $7,600 worth of performance in daily fantasy or the $6,000 from DraftKings. Uh, but um, he's not going to, I don't think this week against Jacksonville, he's going to get you 
the nine, ten thousand. He's not a wide receiver one this week. In season long, I'm not. He is a flex. I view him as a high end flex in season long. I am not playing him as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. I am playing him solely as a flex play. To me, that is what uh, T.Y. Hilton is. Is T.Y. Hilton is probably the most solid flex play uh, you could have. And if you've been listening to the show, you know how much I, I like wide receivers in fantasy. So I spend top dollar at the top of the draft for wide receivers. So to me, T.Y. Hilton is one of the best flex plays uh, you could have. So that's where I'm playing him this week, and I'm I'm not I'm not spending the whole lot of money on him and and uh, uh, daily. Way too boomer bust. Uh, he has always had the connection with Andrew Luck. I I, I almost felt like at at a Florida international that uh, he had the connection with Luck. I I want to say that he was picked in the same year that Andrew Luck was picked number one overall, and the, and Second round was Colby Flaner, uh, Luck's running mate, Colby tight end, Flaner, yes. out of um, Stanford, and I, I believe that Hilton was the same year. I want to say he was fourth year out of Florida International, but Hilton is is your pure boomer bust. Uh, maybe yep. not to the extent that uh, like Deshaun Jackson when you used to own him, like you knew, like yeah. you were either gonna you're either gonna win or lose with him. You're but. gonna get like thirty points or two. Exactly. So we we bashed um, Jalen Ramsey, but like 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 Nate said, we have a pretty good sample size. We've discussed on this in previous uh, episodes of the Fracas as well. We have a good sample size of T. Y. Hilton, Colts and Jaguars playing. They they play every twice a year, so th- those numbers are not great. Exactly. Not great. So it's the, gonna be he, he's gonna be touchdown dependent. But the numbers, I mean, like the salary, are, are they're, they're very yeah. expensive. They price in the high side. Yep. They're certainly better choices than T.Y. Nate, Nate mentioned yeah. before. Uh, and, and Hilton's a great, a great player, but yeah. like against the Jaguars, we, we have yeah. a good sample size. So, it, well, hey, like if he goes for eight yep. ca- catches for 130 and two touchdowns, great. But it ain't going to happen. When it comes to like the yeah. theory of probabilistic thinking yeah. that you – you want to make a sound decision, and the outcome doesn't matter uh, as far as like how good your decision was. Then, Helen, I mean, at those price targets, like it, it just the odds don't favor you. So pick someone else. Yeah, and and again, going back to how those prices are figured, it's what people are going to pay. Those are those are the algorithms that FanDuel and DraftKings use, or what are and uh, what are people willing to pay. And what is baked into that price is T.Y. Hilton's performance the past two weeks. They've been, I mean, two weeks ago it was off the charts. It's basically cut in half uh, the week after. Uh, and it, it, yes, of course, he, he could go ahead. Uh, he's touch, He's going to be touchdown dependent, but he's not going to get you. Just go with Robert Woods. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't spend that money on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, so now we are moving over to our punt category. You got to stay away from these guys. They're not going to provide you value in season long or daily fantasy. We go back up to the top 
We always start with quarterbacks. Mark, who are you waving the white flag on with quarterbacks? We talked about earlier about Jalen Ramsey calling Josh Allen trash. He's someone I, I, I was highly critical of as a college football fan. Uh, he was at the University of Wyoming. He had some just dreadful performances last last year against, uh, I want to say, yeah, for, first week, University of Iowa. So uh, I'm, I'm still not a believer in him. I'm, I think he's better than I thought he was, but... Um, you know, last week he was quarterback four against that same Jaguars defense. And I don't want to say it's a fluke, but I think he's going to be a trendy pick for bottom fishing yes. DFS yep. fans here. Yep. So uh, I'm going to try to dispel the concept here. So as I mentioned against the vaunted Jacksonville defense, he, he was QB four, but he's still, a lot of it was running. He was he completed only forty-two percent of his passes, Nate, last week. So I'm I'm gonna advise people to tap the brakes, if not slam on them full on. So and he's also thrown for less than eighty-five yards in two of his last three starts. Last week was the exception; he only threw for one sixty, as opposed to 30, 13 carries for ninety-nine yards on the ground. So. You know, he, he's it's almost like he's run dependent Nate, yeah. here yeah, to I a agree. degree. And yep. if you want to go in that direction, the Lamar Jackson, the former yeah, Heisman Trophy winner, hundred percent, pay a little, pay five, six hundred bucks more. Like if you I really agree. want to do that, then then go with Jackson. Exactly. But uh, I would say that uh, in addition to that, he's going to play Miami, who's given up the six fewest rushing. Yards to opposing running backs and all. Uh, I'm sorry, opposing quarterbacks. But he's all. They've also given up no rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks, which is an important thing to tag on there. But uh, you know, it's 6,800, 5,300 for Josh Allen. If you really want to bottom fish in this direction, uh, Jackson's significantly more expensive. I'd, I'd I'd go in that direction. But also Colt McCoy. Yeah, 300 and 500 yep. cheaper. Uh, through yeah, he threw multiple. Uh, uh, he threw three picks last week, multiple touchdowns. You know he's going to be playing the Eagles, so I'm like, if you want, we, t- we talked about the trash that was their secondary. Exactly. <laughs> so you're right, Nate. So if you want to get a dual threat quarterback with you field at high floor, pay up five yeah. six hundred bucks for Jackson. If you really want to bottom fish and then splurge yeah. on other positions, go with Colt McCoy, Josh Allen. Bad matchup. I, I'm not. I'm not a believer. Yeah. Uh, if uh, to me that that's a guy, Colt McCoy. If you're going bottom fishing, go Colt McCoy against the uh, atrocious uh, Philadelphia pass defense right there. We talked about it earlier. I'm staying in the same game uh, for my punt here. I'm going with Ryan Tannehill, sixty six hundred. Another bottom feeder, forty nine hundred in DraftKings. I put Tannehill here not just because. He's going up against Buffalo. They're a team that is number one against fantasy quarterbacks. But because of Tannehill's uh, recent injuries and also his usage uh, in Gase's offense down there in Miami, Tannehill yet to throw for 300 yards in a game. Buffalo also consistently puts fantasy quarterbacks towards the back end of the QB2 status. They're giving up a an extremely stingy 6.4 yards per attempt 
That's second in the league. I also want to list you through. I love going through these sort of weekly numbers here. Listen to Tannehill's total pass attempts, not just in the weeks, in every game he has played this year, right? These are his total pass attempts in each game he's played. 28 against Tennessee. 23 against the Jets. 23 against Oakland. 20 against New England. 35 against Cincinnati. And let me add about Cincinnati, a team that is the worst against fantasy quarterbacks and a game in which he threw two picks and had a total of 9.1 points in FanDuel and then 25 attempts against Indy. I don't see any good argument for starting Tannehill given his abysmal usage by Adam Gase and that Miami offense and Buffalo's strength against the position. Stay away from Tannehill in all formats. We already said, you want to go dumpster diving, go for Colt McCoy. Uh, Don't go ahead and pay the money for Ryan Tannehill. 6,600 in FanDuel, 4,900 in DraftKings. Stay the hell away right there. Uh, We move on to uh, running backs. Uh, These are the guys we don't want to touch in any format. Mark, who do you say on the ground is going to provide you Jack Diddley this week? It's nice playing words with uh, Jim Mora's Poo Diddley. Or Diddley Poo, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's right, Diddley Poo. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack. And turn, I mean, it, it pains me a little bit here. Uh, as our Fracas listeners know, and as Nate knows, my parents live in the Sarasota, Florida area, so I have a affinity for that region. Yep. And that's where Mar- Marlon Mack's from, is Booker High School in, in Sarasota. Now, he also went to South Florida, which is a football powerhouse in, in that region. But uh, I, you know, and I really like this guy. He is a three-down back. He has all the tools. Unfortunately for him, his usage is tailed off here. Yeah. He's going to play Jacksonville, too. Yeah, it's tough. No matter what their travails, I still don't like them no. as an opponent in fantasy. But his usage is tapered off significantly here, Nate. He only has 43 carries over the fast three weeks. And uh, he's also in concussion protocol. Yes. Which, when when I see those yep. two words, yep. I'm Stay backing away. off. Yep. So, at best... Nate, I think he's going to have a partial workload. Uh, more realistically, when we, in this day and age, when we see concussion protocol, he's he might be a plain scratch. Now, 6,900 6, in FanDuel. That's even at, way too high. Even Exactly. Yeah. Even if he's healthy, healthy. Nate. Yep. I, against Jacksonville, that, that, that price is in, yeah. enormously it high. Is. Uh, you know, five thousand on DraftKings is, is, is you know, okay, it's less so, it's less so, but against Jacksonville, even healthy, that's still too high for me. I'm, I'm like, I just don't like these matchups. I hate the prices, particularly in Fanduel, like Mac. Like, no, I'm punting. Yeah, no, and that's the thing is, uh, is as disappointing as Jacksonville has been, do, do you really want to roll the dice? Uh, with a guy that is in the concussion protocol against uh, that defense? The answer is no. Do not do it. I wouldn't even do it with Hines. I mean, okay, he can 
got you something potentially uh, in the past game, but there, there's not a whole lot I like in terms of the uh, the indie offense uh, this week. A guy I'm putting in this spot. I went back and forth, back and forth. I talked about Tevin Coleman. Sony Michelle versus uh, Minnesota, $7,000 in FanDuel, $6,100 in DraftKings. There's a few reasons why I decided to go ahead and put him uh, in this spot. Uh, first of all, the Vikings are giving up less than four yards per carry to running backs, 75 yards per game overall, as much as New England likes to feed Sony Michelle when he's available. He's going up against that stout, very hungry Minnesota defense. I think this game script is tailor-made for James White. Uh, and as much as we talked about how we don't think Rex Burkhead is going to make an impact, you he is at what we would call or what you would normally call an X-factor. And he's an X-factor within uh, the red zone. He's an X-factor within uh, the goal line. So, uh, again... Uh, go, let's go ahead and look at the numbers against two top 10 running defenses. I, I, I should say one because I'm not going to include Chicago because of the uh, the injuries. Uh, but against Tennessee, he was 11 for 31. And remember week one against that stout Jacksonville defense, which we just talked about, uh, he was 10 for 34. Uh, I still think Maybe you give him a flex. Maybe you give him a flex. I don't think you can completely ignore him. I would put Tevin Coleman in this week. I'd rather Tevin Coleman because of his dual threat capabilities. That is why I like Tevin Coleman over Sony Michelle is because of the dual threat capabilities in the running game and the passing game and mainly because of the passing game. And that's why I like James White. Uh, over Sony Michelle, so I just I I'm not a huge fan of him uh, this week. To me, he's a very risky play. Uh, but of course, they are the Patriots. They are at home. Uh, he's clearly been a goal line guy. Like uh, Burkhead is an X factor. I don't know what ends up happening there, but to me, he is a riskier play than Tevin Coleman this week. And it's a, it's purely a matchup uh, thing here we're looking at. Like the only, I mean, Todd Gurley is really the only running back who's had significant success against yep. the Vikings. And uh, I love Sony Michelle as a back. Um, you know, I've I've talked to I mean I've talked about this before about the best uh, players in the college football yep. last last season were. Roquan Smith, as yep. we're as Bears fans, and yep. I said Sony Michelle, yeah. even better than Nick Chubb. And my uh, guy I work with, I've, I've had we we debate this all the time: who's a better back, uh, Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb? He's a big Patriots fan, but he he's very uh, pro Chubb, who I love too. Yep. But um, but I prefer Sony Michelle. If he's yep. healthy, then I I think he's dyna- I think he's is Kareem Hunt without the the felony record. Yeah, exactly. But um. This week against the Vikings, yep. I just I don't like no. any running back against the Vikings. No. So when it comes down to it, like I, I, I think the overall construct of the argument where you can run the ball against the Vikings, I haven't seen it. No. Like Todd Gurley 
is the only con- but who else yeah. other than Todd uh, correct I, I just don't see no. why the value is there why you would play this if the person explodes great but uh against the Vikings just the it's too tough of sledding I you have so many great matchups yep. Aaron Jones, Philip Lindsay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, why would you run the risk of actually running against against this defense? So yeah, I think it's going to be one of those classic New England games where Tom Brady is going to James White a lot short. That that's what I think it's going to be one of those classic New England games. To me, James White is someone uh, that you consider. We're in our last position. Through the air, wide receivers that we want nothing to do with this week. Mark, who are you capping it off with? Again, it's going to be one that's going to pain me. Like it, it pained me to go with your choice, Nate, um, being anti Sony Michelle, because I, I love the guy. Yep. But uh, I'm going to go again. Another guy I love. I, like it, it's not a fracas secret that I have a. Uh, a non-sexual crush on pass-catching <laughs> running backs as well as slot receivers. That's so right. I'm going to go with the ultimate slot receiver here when it kills me. I've picked him as the, the play, and he's mauled me this year. I've been so wrong, but I'm going to go with him this year. It's Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Yep. He's playing I in agree Texas. With you. So, again, this, this really pains me. I love Jarvis Landry. I loved him since his days at LSU really pains me to actually punt on him. It would pay me to pine on him, but much less punt. But <laughs> here's my thesis, Nate. He has been an, an enormous dis- he's it's yeah. big at fantasy disappointment other than yes. Le'Veon Bell. Yep. Like this year. Like I thought he was gonna explode. Week after week, earlier in the season we were constantly if it wasn't you it was me. If it wasn't me it was you going ahead and picking him to be uh, a productive fantasy player. We were wrong every time. Yeah, we were. So, I mean, he only has 10 targets the last two weeks. And usually, I'm like, that's what you expect on a weekly basis. If not, that that to be his catches. But, uh, you, know, you know, and he's also had, more importantly than the targets, he's had fewer than 40 yards in three of the past four games receiving. Now, it doesn't get any easier here this week against a Texans team that is Really, like Nate, you know, he, they're they're rock solid against defending slot receivers. So, fifty five hundred and fifty three are they're cheap prices, but uh, I almost feel it's like a we call in the securities industry or the stock market industry a value trap. Yep. Uh, so, I at that uh, like I want upside when it comes to this. So, after a poor, even after a poor one catch outing, which was disappointing me last week. I would much rather go. I would much rather eschew Jarvis Landry for Marquez Veldes Scantling, guys. I've I pumped in the past. Uh, price is artificially low after that one catch performance. He's only fifty two hundred on both sides, so cheaper than Landry. Much better matchup too. I expect Devonte Adams on the other side, Nate, to be matched up with Patrick Peterson, yeah, guy go. we've talked about in the past. There we go. So I think Scantling is going to have one-on-one against sub-mediocre receivers and good target volume. So I would much rather go with Valdez Scantling, particularly in this against Jarvis Land when we compare him to Jarvis Landry. Yeah, uh, th- that was the guy I was considering here, too, was Jarvis Landry. He's just been 
much more disappointing uh, as a fantasy player than a lot of people uh, expected. Uh, I'm going with John Ross uh, versus Denver, 5,600 in FanDuel, 3,900 in DraftKings. Relatively cheap, uh, but uh, to me it's a basic, basic argument. The Denver pass defense doesn't scare me all that much. Uh, the reason why I don't like John Ross this, uh, a lot this week is because A.J. Green is coming back uh, and the dual uh, threat that Driscoll presents. I imagine Mixon is going to be much more involved uh, in the run game. He had quite a few carries last week, uh, and uh, I think he plays uh, a role in the passing game as well. Uh, probably uh, I'm going to go ahead and go out and hire on a limb and say he plays more of a role than Ross does. Uh, if you play him... I think what you're doing is you're trying to extend that touchdown streak that he said. So despite the cheap price tag in daily, uh, I'm not playing him. I don't see any good reason to really play him uh, in season-long um, uh, fantasy uh, this week. I think you'd have to be pretty desperate to go ahead and put, you, uh, put him into your lineup uh, as a uh, wide receiver tour, or even a flex, I would imagine you have to have better options than that. Uh, so unless you're desperate, I don't see any reason to go ahead and have him in your lineup. Yeah, John Ross, who has the record for the fastest 40 time in uh, combine history, just way too long touchdown dependent. I agree with Nate here that uh, he could be a year three next year. He could be a guy to watch. Yes. But uh, you know, they just just wait. I'm like, the ceiling's not high enough for him. He no. could have a 78 yard touchdown, but are you? Do you really want to bank on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, why would you play him? I agree with that. So, especially with AJ Green back, like yep. when AJ Green wasn't there, then maybe you shoot for the moon with, yep. uh, and you land among the stars. About like, but with. With uh, Greenback, I'm like, why would you play John Ross? I'm like, I, I just don't. Um, I totally agree with this pick. He could blow. I mean, he's the fastest guy in the combine. He's just so he could blow the top of the defense. But even then, like, the ceiling's not high enough for him. No. So why play him? I'm like, I would much rather go for a guy like a Traquan Smith. Yep. I mean, he's already played this week. Yeah. But. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense to play John Ross. Playoff time, you got to go ahead and try to find those uh, matchups that are going to go uh, be uh, fruitful for you. So those are our play pine punt options. That's going to bring us uh, to the end of our show. Uh, make sure you go to our website, www.fantasyfootballfracus.com. We've got all sorts of resources there for you. Go to our affiliates partners page. Click on the DraftKings logo and sign up. You have plenty of opportunities to play daily fantasy. You can use the advice we've given you, uh, you today. Uh, lots of opportunities to uh, put those skills to use and potentially win some money. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at FFFracus as well as on Instagram. And if you go to Facebook, uh, and put in uh, the fantasy football fracas. You can find us there as well. I always, or we always end the episode uh, with a last question. Mark, what's the final advice here uh, for the fracasers going into week 13? So, Nate, we always do the play pine punt with quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers. So, we do. Almost, 
almost like clockwork, I usually try to follow up here with uh, a tight end. That's right. Now, uh, last time the Buccaneers played the Panthers, I brought up O.J. Howard. He scored two touchdowns. Actually, you mentioned early in the show, and I kind of followed up on that more. So credit deserves more to you. But this week, O.J. Howard's out. Once again, the Buccaneers are going to play the Panthers, who are going to get the most points to or fantasy points to tight ends. And Cameron Bright is clearly, we, we all we discussed before about rapport with uh, Winston. So only Fort Bright, ridiculous, like almost 4,900 on FanDuel and a usually 3,700 on DraftKings. Yeah. So if you're going to play daily this week, like, Plug in Camry Bright and then splurge on other positions. So I love Camry Bright this week the way we did O.J. Howard uh, about, about a month ago. So look at Camry Bright. There you go. There's your tight end option right there, folks. Thanks for joining us again at the Fantasy Football Fracas, your source for accessible fantasy advice with a dose of sarcasm and wit. Good luck in your Week 13 matchups.